Today is a Checkpoint Sunday. So for those of you who don't know, first of all, my name's Graham, and uh, I'm really glad you're here. Checkpoint Sunday is something that we have put in on a regular schedule that means it's sort of a week of difference. And so for our kids, we say, Checkpoint Sunday, you stay up with us. Um, but we have at the, at the very back pew, you'll find that there are activity pages that are there. Um, there should be um, things to, to write on there, and there's a, a snack, there's juice boxes there as well. And you are welcome, kids, to go um, back there right now, even if you would like to go and get them. And we don't card our kids, so however old you are as a kid, that stuff is still available for you there. Uh, Checkpoint Sunday, it follows the idea for us. We try and describe what we're doing as a church, as a road trip. So we say on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Jesus, we are being brought together into one. We find hope and freedom in the love of Jesus. And so we use a lot of the travel imagery to describe what we're doing. So Checkpoint Sunday is a, is a point where somewhere along the journey we stop, we got to that place. And as we get to that place, it's time to stop Make sure we're going in the right direction. And so we say we want to remember, reevaluate, and refocus. So we remember, choose to remember what God has done for us personally, corporately. We choose to remember what God has done in the ancient past, the distant past, the way, way past, in, in, in the middle past, and in my past. What has God been doing in my life? We choose to remember that. And then we say, I want to reevaluate. That's the point of the checkpoint. Am I now where I would like to be? Am I making choices that I applaud, that I am going in the direction that my long-term plan is focused on? Or have I in the last little while got distracted, got disoriented a bit, got off track? Reevaluate. That's what this today, today is for. But then it doesn't do you any good to reevaluate if you don't refocus. And so the point is today, not that we'd say, look at how I messed up. I'm a terrible person. This is not about guilt. This is not about shame. This is about opportunity. And the opportunity is for repentance. The opportunity of repentance, it lets us turn around. It lets us turn from where we were going in the direction that we would really like to be going. So if we, if we found ourselves that we have strayed in, over, over that last little while, then we, we're going to choose to turn back. To turn once again to put our eyes on Jesus and to go into that direction. So that's what the point of today is, to remember, to reevaluate, and to refocus. Um, and so uh, part of what we would do as a, as a group, we are involved in living every day. And it is our overarching desire that you would not simply survive in this life, but that you would learn to thrive. And, and regardless of the circumstances that you find yourself in now, that we would go from survive to thrive. And that's one of the emphasis that, that we place on making sure that we are generous with our time, our treasure, and our talent. That this is, a, this is a, a way to help us focus on Jesus, to stay where we would like to be, and to become the best that we are supposed to be, to become all that he has asked us to be, to, to become the best version of, of who we can be, generosity and time, treasure, and talent. And so if the, if, if the, uh, the generosity and treasure is something that you would like to do, we have the offering basket or bucket or I never know what to call it, the thing at the back. And there are, uh, there are envelopes back there as well to make sure your tax are seated. Or if you go to our website, you can give online that way as well. It is our honest belief that one of the secrets to thriving is generosity in all the different areas. 
So even when you say, I, I don't feel like I have enough, we're not, we're not here to try and shake the nickels out of your pocket. We believe, honestly, though, that a trust relationship with God means that you trust, which means that there's some risk. And so that is why we offer that to you on a regular basis. We are completely sustained by the gifts and the generosity of the people here. So that is how we exist, and so we just like you to be a part of that. Now, we talk a bunch here about faith catalysts, and some of you will remember these. In the spring, we did a whole series talking about our faith catalysts. We, we, um, we broke them down, and, and if you don't remember, go back to the podcast, and you can listen to them again, and you can hear what we said about them and why we said they were important and what we mean by when we say these words and, and how this goes into uh, shaping and developing our life. We are watching for these five elements, these five faith catas. We keep our eyes open for them and we choose to participate in them when we can, when it's a choice for us. We are watching for them. They are part of our ongoing and our on-growing Christian life. And so we point to, on a regular basis, practical teaching and the necessity of it. Not just information for your head, but information that would be applied. We must live out what we believe. So practical teaching, private disciplines, how I choose to involve myself in ways that make me stronger and develop me. Personal ministry. This goes again to the idea of generosity in my time, generosity with my talent, how I can be involved in sharing, in helping, in developing, in encouraging someone else. Um, private disciplines. Did I, say, I already said that one. Uh, providential relationships, which we, we believe that this is something that you have to watch for, that there will appear in your life at some point providential relationships that open up new doors, and then there are um, pivotal circumstances. There are moments in time when, when the balance of your life just it, it changes in a moment, and sometimes those are, those are catastrophic situations. We don't ask for those to happen, but we watch for them because as they happen, we can see amazing things happen. Pivotal circumstances are so important if you have someone around you to translate circumstances for you, with you. So we, we, we don't go through life alone. You have someone else who can constantly remind you there's more than what you see. There's more than right now. There is a larger story. Someone to be with you in those moments. Um, these are things that develop faith. We want your faith to grow. That is our stated desire. We want that to be going on. But we don't want you just, just to have faith in and of itself. We want you to, to, uh, to grow your faith in Jesus so that you might live differently in this world, so that by the way you live, the kingdom of God comes to life for the people around you. That is what we are trying to do. That's what we're asking you to do. And so one of, the, one of the people who has spoken a lot into that would be the Apostle Paul. Some of you will have heard of him, and he's written a significant chunk of what we call the New Testament or the New Covenant letters, um, documents in, the, in our scriptures. So the Apostle Paul, he describes for us what he means about this being lived out. What does that look like? How do I do that, right? He's on and on about this. And so he wrote a lot of letters. That's what we have. We have ancient historical documents that were sent from a person to a group of people. And they have been preserved over time. And that is what the New Testament is made up of. Largely letters being written to people. So these are not just things that one day someone wrote the whole thing out. Over time, these things were set in real context, back and forth kind of correspondence. And we have some of those ancient historical documents preserved those manuscripts. And so we look at those to, uh, 
to hear some of the early life of what was going on. And so in this case, the Apostle Paul was writing to his friends in a city called Galatia. So if you're going to write to a city called Galatia, the people inside the city of Galatia are called Galatians. And so that's what the name of the letter, or sometimes we say the name of the book is. So we're going to go to the book of Galatians, and we're going to go to chapter 5 when we're there. Um, Paul has been to Galatia, and he's following up with these people. And now he has heard that after he was there, after he established the church, after he uh, gathered a group of people who became Jesus' followers, he set them in motion, got them going. After he started that, somebody came behind him. And when they came behind him, they, uh, they said, Paul's a great guy. Man, what a great start he gave you. The way he told you, what a great start. But you know what you really need now? Do you, do you know, if you want to go from kind of where you are, which is good, to great, you want to get spiritual, you want to get super spiritual, do you know what you need? Let me tell you what you need. You need some more laws and some more rules to follow. And so Paul writes the letter that says, hey, don't forget, right? Don't forget what the whole point of what we said was. Don't forget the whole thing Jesus came to show us. Don't forget. And so he says, um, do you remember why we do? What we do, do you, do you remember why we choose to live the way that we choose to live? Do you know what it should look like when you live that out? Do you know what that experience should be like for you? Why does Jesus interact with us? What is it supposed to do? How is it going to change us? And so we, uh, we, if we go to Galatians 5 verse 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom. This is not... The message, so I say, you go to Alpha so you can get like a, a breakdown. This is not the general way that it is described what the church is about. People don't think of it about freedom. They think of the, exactly what Paul was warning them against, that it's a bunch of laws and it's a bunch of rules and it's a bunch of people telling you what to do. But it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so Paul goes on and he says, stand firm. What we started, don't walk away from that. Stand firm in that. A key characteristic of our faith is that the faith-filled life, what does it look like when you're filled with faith? It is a life filled with freedom, growing, deepening, expansive, joy-filled freedom. That's where we're going. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened Again, by a yoke of slavery, the, the expectation that you must live up to these, these rules and these standards. So Paul is warning of the hazards, of all the things that change from the message he was given, all the hazards that are there of slipping back into that rules-based lifestyle. Rules constantly tell you not good enough, didn't measure up, didn't hit the mark, you're not achieving, you're not successful, you're not as good as somebody else. And we, we, we rank and we compare and we, we use that to, to judge and, and to compartmentalize people. And this is not what we were supposed to be doing, right? It's not rules-based. It's supposed to be a grace-based lifestyle. So jump down to verse 6 if you're following along here. It says, for in Christ Jesus. Now, when you have to understand Paul, the way he writes, that's a shorthand, all right? And shorthand, or it's a, it's, a, it's a way to summarize a whole thing. So when he says, for in Christ Jesus, what he means is in the new covenant. So again, we have two covenants. We sometimes, 
we use the, the language, and this is what's written in your Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. But testament is just another word that means covenant, which is a, a specific way that we, are, that we um, describe our relationship with God. There is the Old Covenant, how do we do it? There is the New Covenant, how do we do it? Okay? So, for in Christ Jesus, for in the New Covenant... For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Now, you're really glad. I know that I'm talking about circumcision. Like, everyone's, woo, I'm so glad because this is immediately applicable to me, especially for all those who don't have the Y chromosome. But circumcision is shorthand, like, for in Christ Jesus is shorthand for the new covenant. Circumcision is shorthand for the old covenant. All right? So that's, it's just a description. It's just a word that means all of that. Okay? So when he says the old covenant or the um, circumcision, he means all of the first um, books that we call the Old Testament. Everything in there is what he's calling circumcision. So circumcision is shorthand for the old covenant. How much value does the former, which is what old means, right? Old is not date, old as place, old and new, former, current, okay? How much value does the old, does the former covenant have? Well, not any. What what value does the old covenant have now that the new one is here? None. But And his next statement, it's really the showstopper, okay? This this is the one that would truly revolutionize the church if we could live it out to the degree that Paul is describing it here in the way that he was living it out. He says, but the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Seriously? The only thing that counts? The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love? Really? That's it? Perhaps what he meant was it's one of the only things that matters. It's the same language that Jesus said, all the law and all the prophets, which is another way of saying all of the old covenant, hang on this principle that we love God and we love our neighbor. Faith expressing itself through love. So another translator said it this way, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. But faith working through love means everything. This is not the way that we were trained. We go, everything? Come on, doesn't that sound a little bit hyperbolic to you? Doesn't it sound like he's overstating it? Really? Everything? The defining characteristic of the Old Covenant, that whole first section that we call the Old Testament, the defining characteristic, the summary statement was circumcision. The defining characteristic of the New Covenant is faith expressing itself through love. What circumcision was to the old covenant, faith expressing itself through love is 
to the new covenant. So for ancient Jews, circumcision was the defining characteristic of someone who is in a right covenant relationship with God. For those embracing the new covenant, the defining characteristic is faith expressing itself through love. Big, big difference. Circumcision. Who can see it? Not even one snicker. Like, you guys are way better than I am. I would totally have been snickering there. (laughs) Circumcision, it is invisible to the public. You can't see it, right? It's a one and done. Don't have to do it again. It's done. It's all male. It was decided by your parents. The mark of the new covenant is visible. And it is public. It involves daily decisions. It is not gender specific. It's all of us in. And while it doesn't require surgery, it can still be painful. Love requires sacrifice. And sacrifice is always a bit painful. But notice Paul in here, he doesn't say that the only thing that matters is faith. That's not what he says. That's the version of Christianity that I grew up with. Maybe some of you are in the same boat. Maybe that's the Christianity that you can remember growing up with as well. The faith without love version. It's a version that comes on TV a lot. It's a description of of us, Christians. It's a description that we get in general characterization. This is the one they describe. And that idea fuels the, the, the vertical morality. As long as I'm good with God, nothing else matters. Faith that doesn't feel obligated to express itself through love expresses itself through manufactured, man-made religious routines. And that was my faith. My faith is evident because of these things. Faith disconnected from love leads to legalism. In or out, right or wrong. And usually the legalism is always pointed at someone else. We, don't, we, we feel guilt ourselves, but to, to help with that, we try to make sure that there's somebody worse than us. We have a legalism that sets us with God, right? It's just about God. It's just me and God. It's just a God thing. It's private. It's personal. Let's just keep it quiet. I don't need to talk about it somewhere else. And that eye to the sky, vertical morality, it doesn't concern itself. It's not manifested in loving others. Been there. Stayed there. Stayed there way too long. The mark of the new covenant is faith expressing itself, working itself out daily through love. What does love require of me? Not what does the law say that I must do? It's an important distinction. 
It's, it, it was a, an important distinction for a guy named James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. Like, that's not a lot to live with, right? <laughs> My brother Jesus. What's he done with his life? Um, but James didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God until after Jesus died and rose again. Oh, that's why the resurrection is so important for us. It's not just a list of things to do and not do. It's not changing from the old covenant, thou shalt not and thou shalt, to the new covenant, which is now you have to do and love your neighbor. Now it is, it's, it's, it's empowered by the resurrection of Jesus. It changes everything from being, I have to do, I have to achieve, to he has done, he has achieved. I, I'm with him. We're together. It's a partnership. But that half-brother James, once the, once the understanding came to him, he was a brilliant scholar. He was a brilliant Pharisee scholar. Top marks. He was highly influential, which was really awkward because his brother, geez, always getting into trouble, messing with his steady life. So not until after Jesus was resurrected did James become a follower of his brother, who he called the Son of God. Later on, he would argue that faith unaccompanied by works of love, not just works of effort, right? Faith unaccompanied by works of love is dead faith. It's useless faith. So he says, uh, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and, and daily food. And, and if one of you, kind, vertical morality relationship with Jesus, one of you kind people says to them, Ah, brother, go keep warm, be well fed, but does nothing about it but there's nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself that is not accompanied by actions is dead. So, practical teaching tells us that we take a truth, but we must apply the truth. So, on to the application. So, what do I do? What am I going to be involved in? So, we say here regularly that we are to be on mission, everyone, everywhere, all the time. We're, we're going we're gonna to say it again later. I'll tell you that in advance. That is part of what we try to put into our heads. On mission, everyone, everywhere, all the time. How do we do that? And is it possible that even in our own home here, that we have dropped the ball? That, that we have not been able to, to, uh, to be hitting this on all cylinders? We want to practice balancing the horizontal and the vertical relationship. They go together. They are, it's one relationship, really. So pray is not a button to be pushed. It's a relationship to be pursued. It's a relationship with God. Prayer has both a horizontal and a vertical element to it. It's about our relationship with God and a deepening of our trust in Him and our, and our, our discernment skills and our submission ethos, but it's also about sharing with those around us, those close to us. And doing that creates ground. 
And in that ground, relationship deepens. Prayer is an activity that can help us deepen both streams of relationships sort of at the same time. And so we want to help with that. We we, we want to try and facilitate that to help that to go forward. So what I would like you to do, because we're going to be infinitely practical right now, I think some of you brought one of these with you today, right? Go to into1.ca. If you would, please go right now. You can log in. Many of you are already logged in. You're using our Wi-Fi, and you're, we're not even going to call you thieves. <laughs> we gave it to you, right? It's a, it's a free gift. Um, so you get to the first page. It kind of looks like this. And I'm going to ask, just keep swiping over until you get to this thing right here. It says prayer request. This is how we want you to be able to share your request. So once you get to that page, just tap on that one. It'll be a little bit slow because you're all going to load the same thing at the same time. But we get, to a, we get to a page here that talks about what we're going to do for prayer. And as you scroll down, you're going to get to a form. In that form, that's how we would love it if you would share your prayer requests with us. There's a place for your name, there's a place for your email address, and then there's a, a place for you to write in what your request is. If you scroll down past that form, you'll get to two questions. And one is, share this with, like keep it confidential, share it with only like the leadership team who will pray, or send it to a wider prayer network so that we can pray for each other. Okay, so as you fill out this, when you have a prayer request, use the form, select how you would like it to go. We would love it if you would begin, not begin, continue to share requests. We get them from certain places um, and we would like you to have a greater freedom to share what you are going through, what's happening in your life, both the good and the challenging. Now, there's a second part to that. Scroll back up to being on top of the form, and there is a pink button there, and that button says, join into one prayer network. We need to rebuild our prayer network. The system that we were using before collapsed. And so we don't have access to that information anymore. So if you are interested, if you are willing, if we can count on you to pray when we send you the request, love it if you would tap that button and sign up to be part of the prayer network. We had it before. Again, if you used to be on, I'm sorry, we we don't have access to that anymore. We need you to start this again. And you will be notified and you'll have the the, the choice if you wanted to have a notification through um, text message, SMS, or email. So you can sign up for it the way that you would like. What we're trying to do right now is to apply directly what we've heard. How will we, not how could we, how will we start? This is not the only thing, right? This is just a step. So you sign up in that way. The next part that goes along with that, if we're going to scroll down past the submit button, you're going to get to another card that says encourage and connect. I think we have pictures of these. Would you mind just throwing that one up on the screen? Thanks. The point of this one, you don't know everyone's contact information. Obviously, better to talk to someone face-to-face. Great idea. Call them. Send them a message. But if you don't have access to that, we want to try and set up a way that you can send messages. And so we have set up a page here that is for encouragement and connection. 
So if there's someone who has done a great job taking care of your kids and you want to say thank you to them, let's use this. If you can do it face-to-face again, that's better. But what I'm talking about is the way if you, if you don't have that access. So what we want you to do is send the message to us and we'll send it on. That way I don't have to give out personal confidential information. You don't have to ask me for it. I don't have to say no. So we can do it this way that I can make sure the message gets there for you. When I was at, at school, at Bible school, one of the things that I loved most was what we called encouragement cards. They were blue cards. And the, the whole point of them was that you would, you would write something on there. I'm praying for you today. Here's a, here's a, here's a Bible verse that, that meant something to me, and, and I, I'm praying this for you. I'm, I'm sharing this with you. Here's, um, here's my chance to say I really appreciate the work that you've done. I, you do a great job. You, you've been so encouraging. I, I'm really... I, I'm praying with you in this, in this hard season. I know things are challenging for you right now. Um, a, a great way to respond, like we just had, um, like I said, the, 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 the two deaths in the, the, the Morse-Murphy family. What a, what a great way to be able to send them messages, even if you don't have their contact information, that you can send them to us and we will send them on, that we would learn to speak to each other. And this is something of a discipline because it won't happen accidentally. You have to sort of mean to do it. But this would be one of those places where faith expresses itself through love. That because I trust God and because I believe that he's at work, I want to be involved in the lives of the people that Jesus loves. And because you have never looked anyone in the eye who Jesus does not love, this is an open thing. Sharing prayer requests, praying for other people's prayer requests, and then sharing kindness encouragement. These are not the only things, but we need to start uh, developing or increasing the base that we have in our own home that you would know that your words matter, that you can say things, that you have a channel that's been dedicated, set aside for you. I realize that it's not the ideal to do things digitally all the time, but because we can't be face-to-face in every circumstance, because you can't control where somebody works or whatever, this is a way to make sure that we can get messages to people, because that's more important than thinking that maybe you should. Instead of thinking maybe you should, maybe do it. It doesn't have to be long, and and you'll get better as you try. But you try to write a sentence about why you appreciate something, and it's pretty hard to stop at one. It's easy to flow into two, and the difference that can make to someone is so unbelievable. The other thing that's absolutely amazing is you want to have a sense that you're working in partnership with God, then get the response back from the person who will say, not every time, but unbelievably more frequently than I ever thought, you have no idea how much that helped. Did you have any idea what was going on when you sent that? The timing was perfect. Do you want to be used by God? Do you want the chance to be involved in something? This is not the whole package. It's just a place. It's just a step. But we want to start leveraging our digital technology and redeeming it and using it in a way that is good for spreading kindness, love, faith, expressing itself through Love. It's a habit. You take one step, the next step is easier. There's more things to do, but that's it for right now. Please fill out the prayer network card that you will be someone that we can contact for. Please be in the habit. Get used to letting us know what's going on so that we can pray. Because we do care. 
We do care when something goes horribly wrong. And I realize it's, it's not the first thing you want to do, but how will we be able to support you if we never knew that it happened? Part of building the relationship is at one point saying, I'm vulnerable. I have a need. And you can choose how detailed you want to make that. But we need to know, this is the hard part. We need to know that your life's not perfect. Because you don't mean to lie when you come in here. But when you look as good as you look, and you smile as nicely as you smile, and you shake hands, we think everything's going fine for you. Because I already know how it's going for me. And if, and if you're not suffering, and, and if there's not a challenge that you're going through, how will you respond when I tell you the truth about me? That this week was hard for me. That things went bad for me this week. How will we know if we don't tell each other the truth? How will we know that something is good if someone doesn't tell us that something is good? It's not just about sharing your bad news. What about the triumphs? What about the great stories? Those are things that we need to be able to see. And you, you, you might never get to know everyone personally. But to know that in your midst, God is at work. Because when the story comes up about this was how hard my week was, you can bet that in the midst of that story, God is at work. He's just not done. Right? And that's the time that we need to be able to look each other in the face or look each other through the keyboard and send something that says, I'm with you. I get it. I don't know your circumstance, and no, that's not mine, but I got my own. Let's stand together. Let's be united. Let's be the people of God, caring for each other. Love, faith expressing itself through love. That's what we're called to. And one of the, one of the best ways to describe what it is that we're trying to do is to create an atmosphere of communion where we would be together, where we would share in these things together. And so I want to move us into a time of communion now where we are going to intentionally finish off what we started, right? To remember, to reevaluate, and to refocus. And the end of the refocus part is to go and take communion. So the way we take communion here, uh, we, we tend to go up this aisle here. It's at the back. And then you come back down here you'll be able to find uh, the unleavened bread and you'll find a small cup of juice. One represents the body of Christ, one represents the blood of Christ. And here's the next step. I've asked you to do this a couple of times and I know it freaks you out. So on one side, I'm sorry for that, but on the other side, I want to freak you out some more. <laughs> Don't just take communion by yourself. Some of us, that's the way we, we grew up. And it's a very personal, private moment. It's a moment between me and God so I can get my vertical morality sorted out with Him. I'm going to remember, I'm going to reevaluate, I'm going to refocus, and I'll be good with God again. Take it with somebody else. If you have a family, if you're here with your family, enjoy communion together, participate together. Look someone else in the face and say, we believe the same things. We just sang, right? We believe in God the Father. We believe in Christ the Son. We believe that this makes a difference. Share that moment with somebody else. Remind them, if you've got nothing else to say, you say, body of Christ broken for you.
blood of Christ shed, given for you. And just be able to look each other in the face and share that moment together. And if you have the courage, then pray. Just a short prayer. God, thanks for what you've done. Thanks for what you're doing. Bless us as we go forward, as we try to do what you're saying. Okay, so we're going to do that. Um, so Paul wrote another letter, and he wrote this one to his friends in Corinth, where he's describing what he had experienced. And this is our intro to communion here. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the, the what? The new covenant. This cup is the new covenant. It represents everything that I'm about. The new covenant in my blood, do this, in remem- do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread, when you drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You declare the good news. You tell the story of Jesus, the one of grace. Death, resurrection, that's what the story is. Our forgiveness, our hope, all tied up in that story. Kind Father, thank you for what you have done and what you are doing for us. Thanks for the way that you love us. And God, I pray that you would (laughs) encourage us, push us, motivate us, kick us in the butt, that we would live in such a way that we would honor you bravely, boldly. Thank you, Jesus, for willingly giving of your life, for looking at us and saying, I'm worth it. Looking at my friends that are here this morning, looking at them and saying, they're worth it. They're not perfect. That's why they need my help. And I am so honored to help them. Lord Jesus, for those of us who don't yet have a relationship with you, I pray that you would continue to speak and prompt and your Holy Spirit would be at work, moving us in a direction where we can move to that place where we can say, yes, I trust. Yes, that's what I want. I want this relationship of transformation and of forgiveness and of hope and of life. And as we celebrate those things today, I pray that you would give us courage to learn how to speak about Jesus together with people who already believe, and yet we're still so nervous. Give us courage, I pray, to move in this. And then to be able to daily remember that we are to be about living out our faith expressed through love. What we believe comes to life as we love. What does love require of me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you have done and are doing. Thank you for this time that we have to celebrate you. Amen. When you are ready, you can just come and partake.